When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Washington Spirit are in the NWSL playoffs, but they arrive there after one of the most fraught, difficult, and distracting regular seasons ever. Pablo Maurer is here to explain what the Spirit went through, what could come next, and what to expect from the team in the NWSL playoffs. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Monday, November 1st. Pablo Mauro, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, let's just start with some basic questions for the uninitiated uh, into this whole Washington Spirit story. Who is Steve Baldwin, and how did he come to buy the Spirit, and why is he selling now? Uh, Steve Baldwin's a local businessman, uh, made uh, well, you know, by most accounts, most of his fortune running Cubase, which is a uh, software data company, um, you know, deals has several large government contracts and whatnot. Um, he came to buy the team through Bill Lynch. Bill Lynch, obviously, who still owns thirty percent of the team, is another area businessman who found himself sort of embroiled in his own controversy a, a number of years ago when he um, weighed in uh, on probably what most people would say is the wrong side of the anthem debate, the kneeling debate. Um, uh, so Baldwin, you know, bought the team then, uh, you know, came out of the gate talking very ambitiously about his plans for the spirit. I, I want to say, you know, Meg Linehan and I did an interview with him early um, in 2021, where he said he just, you know, he wanted them to be the greatest women's soccer club in the world. Um, so no lack were they, of ambition. Were they, <laughs> how far away were they from that from that goal? at the time that he got involved. I mean, relatively far away. They were relatively far away from being the best team in NWSL. And obviously you've seen over the years, the growth of the game internationally to be the best club in the world would be, um, yeah, you know, ambitious It'd be like, uh, I, look, I'm sure FC Cincinnati has said something similar, right? <laughs> like it'd be a similar type of situation where it just seems, um, it seems like a pipe dream, but, but you never know. Um, so yeah, that's that's who Steve Baldwin is. Obviously, um, you know he's become involved in a mess of other stuff recently, but that's that's how it started. So he owns thirty three percent of the club. You said the other thirty three percent is Bill Lynch, and what is that last? Who who takes that last thirty three percent? Yeah, it's thirty of the thirty percent. He owns thirty percent. It's okay. Bill Lynch owns thirty percent. Um, Michelle Kang, who is another area businesswoman um, <clears throat> owns the final 30%. She bought in, um, you know, earlier this year. And, um, you know, again, to sort of uh, much fanfare, I guess, locally, at least in the women's soccer community, she bought in. Um, and uh, things have obviously sort of uh, gone awry. I think uh, Michelle Kang obviously did sort of her own evaluation of the club and, has her own issues and own suggestions for the direction of it. And it's led to a pretty 
a contentious and public power struggle for control of the team between Kang and Lynch and Baldwin. Well, you mentioned that each of them own 30. I'm, I'm no math major, but thir- three times 30 <laughs> equals 90. I would assume that remaining 10 are minority investors, people like Chelsea Clinton, Jenna Bush Hager, people that you reported were involved in the ownership group a little bit earlier this year. Yeah, they brought in, you know, I guess you'd call them micro investors. I mean, there's several dozen, um, you know, some of them are, again, just, I, I hate to belabor the phrase local business people, but locally, sure. and then you have obviously the Chelsea Clintons, uh, Alex Ovechkin's another one. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of folks who um, have invested varying degrees, you know, some uh, literally as little as $10,000 and others into the low six figures. They own the remainder of the team. Um, so, so yeah, that, that, that accounts for the, the remaining 10%. So you have this power struggle you mentioned between Michelle Kang and Bill Lynch and Steve Baldwin, um, basically 30% of the club versus 60% of the club. What sort of things did Michelle Kang identify as things that she wanted to do differently? You know, what, what is at the center of this power struggle exactly? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious, uh, you know, her, her ownership of the club, her, her coming on board, um, you know, not long after that, obviously you had the allegations surface against Richie Burke, the Washington spirits, former head coach who was accused of, um, you know, verbal abuse using racist, racist language, uh, you know, sort of a laundry list of things. He was suspended later dismissed. Um, there have been other reports from our outlet and, uh, from the Washington post and, elsewhere about the the club's culture um you know it's been described as an old boys club etc cetera, etc cetera. um and uh more recently obviously the nwsl you know when all this burke stuff happened did their own investigation into the club and found a lot of those things to be true um you know there were issues kind of at every level of the club at least you know um in the c-suite so to speak and and above so you know i think it's beyond argument that um you know, many of those are issues that Kang has identified as things that need to change, and and they just genuinely are things that need to change. So, um, there's now become a situation, obviously, where um, Kang has you know offered to buy out Lynch and Baldwin. Um, Baldwin initially was really hesitant to do that, uh, you know, but the Washington Spirits players um, sort of banded together and suggested that they you know, want Baldwin removed, want him to remove himself. And then later, more specifically, that they want him to sell the team to Michelle Kang. Um, you start talking about this, it's like you sort of get lost because even after what I just said, there's there's just like a dozen other things um, that have happened with the spirit recently. It's it's like, it's difficult to even wrap your head around. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there are seemingly endless details to all of this. I think we got the major ones pretty much right uh and out of the way well i think um, like sorry to interrupt but i think also you have yeah. to sort of all the major ones that we just discussed you have to also put in the context of this broader reckoning that's happening in nwsl um obviously meg's report on paul riley and you know that led to sort of this league-wide series of protests and discussions and conversations and and now actions by the league and people losing their jobs new policies being put in place multiple investigations so you know the spirit stuff is only amplified by all this. You sort of have to like consider in the context of of that that greater movement. It's kind of one part of a much bigger puzzle. You might you might say. Yeah. Um. So Steve Baldwin, I'm gathering, <laughs> has not sold to Michelle Gang. Steve Baldwin and Bill Lynch, I should say, that deal has not gone through. What is happening 
in terms of a sale process with the Washington Spirit lately? Yeah, it's difficult to say. Um, Baldwin, you know, initially Baldwin had said that he would sell to Kang. Then he sort of rescind, as we reported, he rescinded, um, you know, an offer that was made at, at honestly, probably above market value um, for the club. He rescinded that, said, you know, we're going to do the sale process. Initially, it was the thing that might take nine to 12 months. And then, um, you know, now it seems like the the league uh, is sort of monitoring that procedure or that process uh, a little more carefully. It's something that might be completed by the end of the year. Um, you know, my reporting around it more recently suggests that Michelle Kank certainly is involved in those discussions. Um, but Marla Messing, the league's NWSL's interim CTO or CEO, excuse me, when she was asked about it, um, recently just said the league wants the team sold to uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, essentially a competent person who has uh, the, the, you know, the the team's best interest in mind, uh, be that Kang or somebody else. Um, so it's difficult to say where exactly the process is, but certainly, I mean, I would expect the club to be sold by the end of the year. Um, in the meantime, obviously, I have a group of players and front office uh, staff at the club who's sort of existing in a sort of limbo. Um uh, and Michelle Kang, by all counts, uh, has sort of taken a little bit more of the day-to-day control at the club. But, um, you know, we'll just sort of have to wait and see what happens as far as the sale itself in the next month or two. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what y- you, you mentioned them briefly, but I think what's amazing that is that in the middle of all of this, all of this controversy and all of this, you know, uh, front office drama, for lack of a better word, the team has been doing really well this year. Uh, they are in a solid playoff position. Uh, they are potentially contenders for for NWL Championship. What has the effect been like day to day for the players, the coaches, people that actually have to you know play and be involved with soccer uh, in the middle of all this? Yeah, it's it is. Uh, we're talking a. Uh staff young about this the other day that you know the spirit were forced to forfeit two games obviously because of um they had some COVID issues that were sort of determined to probably be due to um you know irresponsibilities at the club or you know whatever you would want to say so they they had to forfeit two matches i mean if they go out and win both those matches they're legitimately contenders for the shield at nwsl so it, it just like you do forget that because they um, have spent most of the tail end of the season fighting for a playoff spot, which they clinched obviously a week or two ago. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, they're an exciting young team. I mean, you have Trini Rodman, Ashley Sanchez. Um, you got, you know, Andy Sullivan, who's um, obviously uh, looks to be a U.S. women's national team stall, you know, future stalwart at least. Um, uh, Aubrey Bledsoe has been like lights out recently in goal. Um, they're a very fun team to watch. And it, it's like unquestionable that all this has been a distraction to players. Um, you know, whether Kang or Baldwin or anybody else want it to be. I mean, most recently, right, I think I reported that the club is training at high school. You know, they had an agreement with DC United, a tentative agreement to use their new training facility in Loudoun County. There have been some contentious conversations around, you know, working at a rate for permanent use of that facility. So, In the meantime, you've got um, the Washington Spirit, uh, this, you know, red hot team heading into the playoffs or the final game of the year in the playoffs, 
training uh, at Episcopal High School in Alexandria, which is, you know, a nice field, but it's a high school. It's just a professional sports team. I mean, like still a high school. Yeah, exactly. It's like the, the locker room isn't up to pro standards. I mean, they have to haul equipment back and forth. It's just like it's ridiculous. I mean, sadly, it's the kind of thing we've like you almost get used to these stories in women's soccer. You know, but um, it is ridiculous to think that the club is sort of having to deal with that. Um, you know, so certainly I would say it's a discretion. There's also just a lot of good people in the front office, the spirit who genuinely care about the franchise, who, you know, are unsure about their job security, unsure who they're going to be working for. You know, I mean, um, many of us in many lines of work sort of had had to deal with that. But this is this is like particularly uh, kind of aggravated version of, I think that, that job insecurity, you know? So, so yeah, I think it's definitely had an effect. Um, you mentioned DC United, uh, briefly there that they were training at their training facility. I'm wondering, you know, you have seen other MLS teams sort of get involved with NWSL teams often to good effect. You have obviously the thorns and, and timbers, uh, which obviously not issue free as we discovered, uh, with, uh, with Meg Linehan's, Linehan's reporting, but overall, the level inv- of investment there is good. You have the uh, Orla- Orlando City and the Orla- Orlando Pride. Again, level of, of investment good, even if the performance on the field isn't always there. Um, what is preventing DC United and the Spirit from entering into a somewhat similar arrangement? Yeah, it's difficult to say. I mean, um, I reported a while ago, DC United, when Baldwin purchased the team, um, Prior to Baldwin doing that, DC United were actually essentially offered the spirit for free. Um, obviously, for free, there's an asterisk so that to assume, you know, the club's debt, that sort of stuff. But there was literally no purchase price. And, uh, you know, this was in 2018 and DC had just opened a stadium at Wayne Rooney's, sort of like firing all cylinders. So they took a pass. Um, you know, now the spirit reportedly are losing four or five, well, they reportedly lost this year alone and there's still two months left in the year uh four million dollars you know um dc united have them as tenants so it's sort of like an income stream for the club i mean if you think about it there's not a huge reason for dc united to buy the spirit right now unless they genuinely thought hey we can you know make all these institutional changes here and turn this thing into a, a huge money maker and except you know and like and that's certainly possible like you mentioned the, the the thorns obviously they make money um that was a very wise investment i think um i don't think it would be an unwise decision for dc united to get involved in the spirit but you know it's not something by most accounts the club has shown much much interest much interest excuse me in doing um you know and certainly like uh right now the club struggles to even i think have a conversation with the spirit um when it comes to anything involving steve baldwin you know so the hope i think you know i've spoken to to people on both sides um there and i think the hope is that you know if michelle kang or you know whoever buys the franchise that that might provide an opportunity for a reset and that sort of relationship between dc and, and the spirit and you know they might be able to work um better together, you know, find some sort of synergy to, so to speak, to use the phrase that somebody would probably use in that situation. But again, that's, that's just another sort of uncertain situation in the middle of all this. 
Well, as you said, that sale process should be complete or is expected to be complete anyway by the end of the year. Do you think that's uh, generally realistic to expect? I mean, you never know, right? But I, I would say that like the league itself, um, you know, League HQ, they know that this is like people are watching this and this is like a situation and, and uh, Baldwin, again, in my more recent reporting, it seems like he's sort of withdrawn from the day-to-day decision-making at the club. I think that's a, probably a sign that he's just sort of like, quote unquote, over it or like ready to turn the reins over and relinquish his share in the club. So, you know, I would hope so. Um, uh, you know, the effects of that dragging out would be significant to me because like I said, um, as of right now, uh, you know, the club is training at a high school and until they get something worked out with DC United and, and decision makers, the spirit don't really want to do something like that until the, the ownership situation is sorted out. Um, you know, it's just difficult to sort of build for the future when you don't even know who's going to be at the steering wheel, you know? So um, and there's tons of other stuff. They got to find a head coach. If it's not Chris Ward, they got to, I mean, it's just like goes on and on and on, you know, it's like, um, so yeah, yes, I hope, I think most people hope that it's worked out sooner and later. Well, Pablo, thank you so much for laying all that out for us. There have been a lot of issues in NWSL recently, and this is one of them. And I think we have a, a better read on it now. Thanks very much. No problem. Elsewhere in soccer today, yet another in a never-ending stream of MLS games with playoff implications. The Seattle Sounders take on the LA Galaxy tonight. Sounders looking to get that top seed in the West and skip the first round. Galaxy trying to secure their playoff lives. That's at 10 p.m. Eastern on Tudene. There's also a Premier League game, Wolves vs. Everton at 4 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Then, Raya Vallecano and Radamel Falcao. Remember him? They take on Celta Vigo in La Liga at 1.30 on ESPN+. The show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thank you for listening, and happy soccer to you all.